Welcome to the fifth reading of The Holy Ground of Honey Creek, Reflections of a Small Town Pastor, written by Rev. I. Dean Jordan, read to you by John Jordan. When I began my ministry in 1950 and retired for the first time in 1988, after serving almost 40 years as a United Methodist minister, then after retiring I spent another four years as a part-time minister for the United Church of Christ. When I look back on my ministry, I realize that these last 50 years have been like no other in challenging our faith, and I thought someone should write a book about it. Not a grand sweeping view of religious history, but insights gained in serving local congregations as we struggle to put our faith into practice. This book was written using essays, sermons, and liturgical material written by Rev. I. Dean Jordan. In today's reading, we're looking at a sermon. Zacchaeus and Jesus, A Costly Friendship, March 27, 1960, First United Methodist Church, Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin, was the first time this sermon was preached. The purpose of the sermon is to show that while Jesus asks our full loyalty, it is not a costly allegiance. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, Luke 19.1. Jericho, the city of palms in the days of Jesus, was a veritable Eden. Mark Anthony presented it as a gift to Cleopatra. Archelaus, Harold the Great's son, rebuilt a magnificent palace there. In the air lingered the perfume of roses and of balsam. The strains of the temple music from Mount Moriah were borne along on the still morning breeze. Echoing this description of the city, Dr. Paul Scherer in the Interpreter's Bible wrote, How little in accord with its surrounding the inmost self of a man may be. Jericho, in all its loveliness, was no Eden for Zacchaeus. It was a wilderness. This is from the Interpreter's Bible, Volume 8, page 321. How well we in America know the truth of this saying. For here in the abundance of our American Eden, there are hearts bowed down with selfishness and sorrow. Here in lovely America, the beauty is marred by the ugliness of human enmity and bitterness. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and rich. For this is from Luke 19, 2. Zacchaeus' name means pure or righteous. Yet such was the hatred for tax collectors that in the rough judgment of the townspeople, Zacchaeus was thought of in the same terms as robbers, adulterers, brothel keepers, informers, and traitors. Zacchaeus was rich, but his riches couldn't buy him that without which a human soul cannot be happy, the love of their fellow humans, the respect of his community. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not on account of the crowd, because he was small of stature. Luke 19.3 Zacchaeus had heard about this Jesus, who was friendly with all people, Jesus who seemed to have a special concern for those who were lonely and scorned and dispirited. And now this Jesus was coming to his town. His coming filled the spirit of Zacchaeus with hope. Perhaps Jesus could help him. So Zacchaeus sought out Jesus to see him and to hear what he had to preach. But he could not on account of the crowd because of his small stature. Again, Luke 19.3. Then Zacchaeus climbed a sycamore tree, and Jesus came to where he was. Thus we say, God searches for humans. Jesus came. God's search is not the part-time, fitful search characteristic of humans. 
It is a steady, relentless hounding of the soul. God, with boundless love, will not rest until every person has had the opportunity to look out and up and see that God has come. God is not content to stay at a distance. God invites himself into our lives. Zacchaeus, said Jesus, make haste and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Luke 19.5 It is interesting that Jesus did not say, Come down, I want to make you happy. Or, Come, Zacchaeus, let us have a good time together. Or, Zacchaeus, I have comforting thoughts and words for you. Nothing of this. Rather, Jesus said, Come, I must stay at your house. I have need of your services. There is a task that needs doing, Zacchaeus, and you are the one who can do it. This is the only kind of invitation that will appeal to real men and women. We so frequently get mixed up. We say, come, join the church, for it can do this and this for you. It can give you something. This only enlists the weaklings. The true promise of the church is the challenge of Churchill's blood, sweat, and tears. The challenge of great tasks requiring noble service. What challenges? They come in the form of questions. Do you want to lose yourself in something of eternal significance? Are you willing to expend your energies and use your talents to bring light and joy into the lives of those around you and in the far places of the world? Are you ready to accept the challenge of a world reeling in search for values of lasting significance? Are you ready to accept the challenge of a world reeling in its search for values of lasting significance? To accept the challenge and spend yourself witnessing in word and deed to the way of Christ, demonstrating the values which the world seeks. Justice. Freedom. Human dignity. Economic opportunity. The lusts and evils of humankind are dogging the heels of humanity, seeking to drag us down into the dust of destruction. Do you seek a comfortable perch above the strife, or are you ready to take the cross of Christ and wield it in the struggle for souls? For the physical well-being of the poor, the outcast, those whom the comfortable middle class would like to ignore, Zacchaeus was. Zacchaeus made haste and came down and received Jesus joyfully. Luke 19.6 I wonder what Zacchaeus thought at that moment. Did he say to himself, Oh, oh, now I've got to hurry home and prepare a meal with all its trouble and expense. Did he realize at this moment the drastic effect that that dinner was going to have on his bank account and hold back in selfishness? I don't think so. The scriptures said Zacchaeus hurried and received him joyfully. The man about whom the crowds were pressing, the man whose spiritual authority was so great that he had brought health of body and spirit to multitudes of followers. This man had singled him, Zacchaeus, out of the crowd. Zacchaeus, the outcast, is now singled out to serve the master. Jesus needed him. Who would stop to count the cost under these conditions? Who under these conditions would have spoken of any requirement as costly? Zacchaeus came, and joyfully. And when they, the people, saw it, they all murmured, He, Jesus, has gone in to be a guest of the man who is a sinner. Luke 19.7 People haven't changed much, have they? 
There are those among us yet today whose perversity of character, spiritual frustration, or sheer evil nature cause them to delight in murmuring against a person and by their gossipy rumor and false accusations destroy that person's position. It doesn't make much difference who it may be, factory owner, doctor, lawyer, preacher. Even the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians recounts how evil rumors had been spread about him. They were the result of a deliberate campaign to undermine his influence and destroy his effectiveness. There is always misery, perhaps unrecognized misery, in the spirit of a person who stoops to such practices, whose spirit is warped so badly that they gain delight from tormenting another, or feel satisfaction from making self-righteous, false accusations against another. And misery is brought also into the life of him or her, like Zacchaeus, is thus attacked by the venomous tongues of neighbors. And yet, when we acknowledge the damage loose tongues can bring to a person's position in a community, when we've stated the misery from which it comes and which it brings into existence, we haven't stated the whole case. Though such gossipy murmurings can destroy a man's or woman's position, they cannot destroy the man or woman. Only two beings can do this, God and the person themselves. God won't. That leaves only the person. So long as a person, deep in the depths of their being, lives in accord with God's law of love toward God and neighbor, and lives in honesty with themselves and with God's community, so long will that person's name be engraved on the honor roll of God, the honor roll that has eternal significance. And it was into the depths of Zacchaeus' being that Jesus looked and said, Today salvation has come to this house, since you also are a son of Abraham. Luke 19.9 To those neighbors who saw only the surface of the tax collector, it was possible to speak of him as an outcast, robber, and worse. To them he appeared as barren as a shrub in winter. But Jesus could see the longing for life deep in his soul, the desire to find fulfillment, to use himself in service to God and his fellows. In the sunny warmth of Jesus' love and confidence, the spirit of Zacchaeus blossomed forth in generosity as profuse as a shrub blossoms with abundant flowers in the sunny warmth of spring. And Zacchaeus said, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded any one of anything, I restore it fourfold. Luke 19.8 You know, I think not only his neighbors have falsified Zacchaeus's, I think we have too. I don't believe he was the miserable, miserly tax collector that he had been pictured. Recall that the tax system of Rome was a profit-making system. The Roman government let out contracts for revenue. A collector would promise a certain amount of revenue to Rome and then would collect that amount plus his own profit from the people. It wasn't a good system, but it wasn't always abused either. Zacchaeus said he could give half of all that he had to the poor and still have enough left to repay fourfold all those he may have defrauded. 
note the if. Zacchaeus was talking to Jesus. He wouldn't lie. Yet he didn't say, to all those I have defrauded, but if I defrauded any. If. It would seem Zacchaeus was not the kind of man the community gossips pictured. Apparently there were not many that he had defrauded. The main point is this, that in the presence of Jesus, a new attitude took hold of Zacchaeus. No longer was his main interest that of making money, but the larger, more significant task of using his money in the service of this Lord who had singled him out. Zacchaeus had heard the challenge of Jesus. I have need of thy talents and thy resources in my service, Zacchaeus. Make haste, come serve. And to this challenge, the restless spirit of Zacchaeus had responded with speed and joy and glad generosity. Thus shall it ever be for those whom God has found, who, in the secret places of their heart, have bid the Master in to dine. To him they will promise their lives, their service, their wealth, not counting the cost, but coveting the challenge, using self and resources in a glad outpouring of generosity for the eternal and everlasting purposes of God's kingdom. Ye who hear, open your souls. Make haste, come. Serve the master of all life who has need of us today. Amen. 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 This ends the fifth reading from the book The Holy Ground of Honey Creek, Reflections of a Small Town Pastor, written by Rev. I. Dean Jordan. Thank you for listening. Till next time, when we'll be reading the sermon The Day the Manna Ceases, first given March 20th, 1977, for the United Methodist Churches in Orfordville and Evansville, Wisconsin. The purpose of this sermon is to help us realize that it is essential to recognize the close of one age before we can take advantage of the new one. The text for that sermon will be Joshua 5.12. Till next time, I'm John Jordan. Thank you for listening.